Hello and welcome everybody to a brand new episode of Nerd Thug Radio. The 54th best recorded thing you've heard today. Does that include, I guess that doesn't include live performances, so we're up there. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. This is Corey DLG, with me as usual, little brother Nico. Yep, that's me. And this is... Uh, this is the post-Super Bowl episode of Nerd Thug Radio. The Super Bowl is such a big thing. We're going to talk a little bit about... So we're going to talk a little bit of football. We, we did cover football for literally the last half year. We're going to talk a little bit of Super Bowl. We're going to talk some commercials. We're going to talk uh, movies. Uh, because this really kicks off the nerd season. Because tomorrow... Day two of the Nerd Thug Weekend, which begins today, uh, is the Ant-Man... and Is Ant-Man and the Wasp? Is that is that the title? Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Is that what they're I going th- with? Think, I think they're just including Wasp in there. Okay. So that starts Friday, and this kicks off the next phase of Marvel movies. Finally. We can have a phase that matters, hopefully, maybe this time. I, you know, I really think a lot of Phase 4 lost its momentum with the death of Chadwick Boseman in COVID. So then there was kind of a... Because they restructured and moved a lot of stuff around and it wound up being a lot of finales. You know, like it, it wrapped up the Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, even though it was only two Doctor Strange movies, it did basically wrap up the Doctor Strange story. Um... It connects the dots for Black Widow, where now you know what Scarlett Johansson was doing during the break, and now she's going to show back up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it kind of just... And then, obviously, with Chadwick Boseman dead, it, it shows you who's going to... What Wakanda's role will be in the future of the Marvel Universe. So, like, they kind of had to shift gears, I bet. Oh, yeah, 100%. A also, bit. like, you have to follow up you know, the Infinity War with something. Yeah, for sure. You've, you've got all these stories that any Infinity War, while a great a set of movies, it does kind of interrupt the individual stories. You know, if you're if you're a Spider-Man fan, you're like, okay, but what about MJ and Pete? And if you're a Doctor Strange fan, you're like, what about, uh, uh, is it Rachel McAdams? Is that who that is? What about Rachel McAdams and Doctor Strange? Are they gonna, are they gonna get it back together and fall in love? You know, you got to figure all that stuff out. Uh, shout out to our couple friends and our uncoupled friends. This week was the week where you announced which one of those you were. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that they just needed to kind of finish those stories. I thought the, I think the best finale of all of them was the Spider-Man. What was it? No Way Home? Is that what it was called? Yeah, something like that. It was honestly, that, that was the peak of Phase 4. Oh, it was it was the peak of moviedom, I think, in so many ways. But also, the last couple minutes where he's on his own, he's in his own apartment. Aunt May is gone. Sorry, spoilers, guys. Uh, no, he's in his own costume. He's in his own gear, and he's listening to a police scanner, webbing around trying to fight crime on his own. No longer Stark's Spider Man, but Peter Parker's Spider Man. I I think that that's kind of the perfect stopping point for a trilogy and then door opening for whatever you want to do next which is uh it sounds like they are locking in kevin feige released a statement saying they are locked in on a number four storyline wow okay so to me that implies that there's another trilogy because i don't think they bring him back to just do one more movie yeah i don't think so either Man, that's a really that's I kinda, a weird position to be in, but I guess that makes sense. I kind of feel like they hope. I hope they bring him back for like two more trilogies. Honestly, just I really do feel like Tom Holland is Spider Man. Like I, I, I think Andrew Garfield was a great uh, Spider Man. I thought Tobey Maguire was a great Peter Parker. I think Tom Holland is a great both of them. Yeah, I think that was the really big kind of point that a lot of people made that's the point i made a lot too where yeah he just he just feels like a nerd and also feels like 
um, confident when he needs to be, and he kind of has the ability to come through in the clutch, but still when he takes the mask off, completely doubts himself. Right. Gotta love him. And just... Plus, he's just... He's just the very... Weight. I think he's just a very believable person, like... He has he toes that line between he, like actor and character. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Uh, they they really cast somebody who probably is a little bit Peter Parker themselves. Which I mean, like great pick, guys. But it's very funny seeing him as any other character, though. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. I watched Uncharted. I didn't really enjoy that at well, all. Like, he doesn't really fit the role of Uncharted to me because he doesn't. Like he doesn't strike me as someone like Nathan Drake, who's like this like suave like treasure hunter. Like I, he's like four eleven guys. He's not like. <laughs> why are you? Why are you going after his height like that? What are Look, you doing? I'm I'm just saying that Nathan Drake is supposed to be like fighting bad guys and jumping out of airplanes. I'm just saying the distance thing is just not up for it. It's like the only reason the we record, believe Tom Cruise. Is you don't have Tom to have Cruise. a height requirement. <laughs> you don't have to have a height requirement to jump out of an airplane. Anybody no, can do it. But to to jump from an airplane onto something else needs a little bit of distance. And I'm just saying, I don't think you got the wingspan. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I saw this interesting exchange on Twitter. Uh, I wanted to maybe touch base with you on it. Uh, apparently, Steven Spielberg was caught on film basically telling Tom Cruise that he saved the entire movie theater and movie making industry. Now, on this show, I've said something kind of similar before that Tom Cruise may have just saved like going to the movies as a thing. Um, but I saw a lot of people kind of like uh, gross to it. Like, eh. What do you... What's your initial reaction to that? Uh, I think it's because they're jealous that they don't have any, every single license that Tom that Tom Cruise does. He does have like twenty. Like, like listen, I, okay, I want to make this really clear. As far as like all kidding aside, I, I, he, Tom Cruise is a weirdo. I'm not down with the Scientology thing. Um, his team is hyper controlling on all the movies that he makes. We've we've talked about it before. It's leaked in different articles. The reason the Mummy Returns wound up being such a terrible movie. They basically blame Tom Cruise and his team for that because they basically came in and changed the movie and changed the tone of it completely to where a movie that was supposed to be about the mummy winds up being about Tom Cruise's character instead. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to deal with when you deal with Tom Cruise. However, post COVID we didn't have those blockbuster movie numbers that, that we had before COVID before COVID just about every other weekend, there was a movie doing $200 million, $300 million, $400 million opening weekend. Right. And they you know were all I mean? bad movies. Right. Yeah, no, a lot of these were not good mm-hmm. movies. But you could basically guarantee, okay, if I put Star A and Star B and spend $100 million on green screen, we're definitely going to we're gonna at least debut at two fifty. Right. Was, was that, was and, that movie Passengers? And, oh. you, know, you know, actually, that one... I don't know that that one's considered a success. It still um, made. It still I do made know, at least however, million dollars. <laughs> it probably, probably made way yeah, more than what they casted it. It's got it's got two actors in it. <laughs> it was two extremely marketable people together as a couple in the movie. They made a million dollars. Oh, for sure. Uh, here's a weird little bit of trivia about that. I don't know the specifics on on how this works out, but Adele and Jennifer Lawrence are close friends. Very funny. And Adele told Jennifer Lawrence not to do the movie. I mean, it's not like it's fun. I don't know. But I don't think it's that big a deal. <laughs> I don't know. Like, does that mean Adele's reading scripts? Or, like, did everyone in Hollywood know that this movie was being shopped around? And Adele was like, oh dear, it sounds terrible. Don't do it. I guess, maybe. Um, I don't know. Or maybe she just wasn't a fan of Chris not, right? Pratt and, like, he was already on. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I. And basically, I think they just screen tested a bunch of couples until they got like the Jennifer Lawrence Chris Pratt pairing, and we're like, yeah, this is good enough. Let's let's do it. And you're right; it's not a great movie. It's not a great movie. Um, but it did. It did probably did make two hundred million opening. Like week. if There's that movie no came out that. during like the COVID streaming, it would have made like forty dollars at most. 
<laughs> and the truth is, like, okay, Black Widow, Disney kind of neutered it because they released it on streaming and the theaters at the same time. Um, and a lot of people chose not to go to the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, it just, well, I'm not gonna, this was just, a, it was a terrible time for movies in general. Like, movie going experience was, was out of the, was out of the way. And we had, we had, we had arguments of, about this. You can go back to like when that was happening. We, we talked about it. Yeah. And, and, and in hindsight, like the studios weren't giving you a lot of incentive to go back to theaters. You know, the streaming stuff, I don't, I don't, I still don't have my head wrapped around the economics of the streaming stuff, but the streaming stuff seems to work for these guys just as well as everything else. So what are the, like somewhere the money comes from somewhere and it goes into the bank accounts anyway, so they don't care. Um, but it was, it, it was Top Gun Maverick that really, I mean, it made a bajillion and it got people going back to movie theaters. I would have never, I would have uh, never guessed that movie. If someone were to tell me that this movie is going to make I, a billion yeah. dollars, I wouldn't have guessed Top Gun. Okay, so so if someone gave you this list, because I, I was thinking about that too, right? Because it's Black Adam, it's Top Gun, and it's James Cameron's Avatar 2. All right? So Black Adam goes after Maverick, but it doesn't do as well as Maverick, anywhere near as well. So think about that. Think about the idea that if you heard those three movies and someone said pick the first one to a billion dollars, Maverick would probably be third place. Yeah. First place. First one to a billion. And by like a large margin, too. It was like 1.8. It was a ton. Yeah. Yeah, it was a ton of money. And I don't... And, um... I don't know, you know, I haven't heard anybody talk about, like, all-time stuff. Like, where is it in comparison to the other Avatar and all that? So, I, I don't know. But you're right, it did, It like, it it did nuts numbers immediately. Like, it's just... Yeah, because it took Avatar, I want to say, like, a couple, like... Well, they re-released it, like, six times at this no, point. No, the, the new one, The Way of the Water. Oh, oh yeah! I don't yeah, even that one. That one still took a, a couple weeks to make, like a billion. Because one, it got absolutely smashed by the Puss in Boots movie, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. Did it really? That you know that movie looks really. Is that on Disney Plus yet? I really do want to watch that. Puss it's Boots incredible. Movie. It's fantastic. My buddy, I've <laughs> seen. I've seen clips. My of buddy it. was like, "You want to go watch the Puss in Boots movie with me?" And I was like, "Absolutely." <laughs> I wouldn't have want nothing more. <laughs> it's like a Thursday night. And we're like, let's jam it up. Let's go. Let's do it. And it was it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely worth the wait. My buddy and I saw many a bad movie when we were in college because Tuesdays were like five dollar mm-hmm. day. So yeah, I mean I've been there. Oh, but it, see the the difference is that that movie was a ten out of ten. That movie's fantastic. It's got probably well, some give of you, the okay. best. It's got, like, A, unreasonably good animation. Like, there's no reason this thing should look so incredible. And B, probably yeah. some of the best villains. Like, period. <laughs> so I've been seeing clips of it and, and talking about how, like, they paired the music with the animation. And they did all these different... Like, it's... it's They, they pulled all the stops for the Puss in Boots movie. And it sounds so dumb saying that. But they did. Uh... They very much pulled the card from Spider-Man where they were like, okay, let's just go all out. Like, let's just let's do just it. Let's just jam, and it's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely no it reason is. to be that good. Especially because it's a sequel to a movie that is, like, a 4 to 10 at best. Yeah, like, I don't... I, I didn't even realize that there were, like, three other Puss in Boots movies. Like... <laughs> when I was seeing the stuff for it, I was like, why... Why is there so much? Why is why is there why so is many? There another movies? one, and they're like, "Oh wait, never mind. I get it now. It's the best thing ever." And you don't even have to watch the other ones. <laughs> I didn't even like. I didn't even realize that the Shrek universe had expanded. Like, <laughs> I knew it existed, but, but here I we never, were. I never saw it. And then my buddy was like, "Have you ever seen the last one?" And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Don't. It's not even worth it. This is way better." <laughs> don't even bother. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, I, you're right. Like that one that came out, that was supposed to be good. I need to see if that's on. You know, it's still not anywhere on streaming as the last Spider-Man movie. I don't understand that. It's still making you spend like twenty bucks to watch it. Oh, it's because Sony is greedy and they need as many sales as they can have. It's the only thing they have is, is Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I saw somebody who clearly doesn't understand like the dynamics of these different things because they were like, "How come? 
how come Universal doesn't just make Spider-Man movies like Sony does with Spider-Man since they own the Hulk like that? Like, why aren't they doing that with the Hulk? And it was like, because they so obviously recognize that they can't get the Hulk right to save their lives. Right. Like, we still, we honestly, at this point, still don't have a very good Hulk movie. No, we don't. And even the Marvel one that they did with Edward Norton was only all right. It was only okay. It was okay enough to get Uh, another one, but not good enough to keep Edward Norton, that's for sure. Well, you know what was interesting is they, Edward Norton had a real fight with Marvel Studios, and this is early in the life of Marvel Studios, because he allegedly, I, I don't, there are clips where they've talked about it and they've, everyone's moved on and everyone's a gentleman now, but um, he rewrote a lot of that script and he didn't get a writer's credit for the script and he wanted one. It's kind of a weird position um, to be in, but like, I know there's a lot of weird like rules in Hollywood about that stuff too. Yeah, and I think he was saying that like he qualified for it and they were saying like but we didn't ask like we didn't ask you to do it like you know what i mean like like yeah we use a lot of your stuff but it wasn't you know we use it cuz you're like it was better but not because we we hired you to write it you know what i mean so i don't know i i'm not sure how that worked out but that basically he'll he'll never come back to marvel because of that i mean it's okay uh, they replaced him they didn't even blink no and really when you're playing the I mean, at that point, the third Hulk, right? Second Hulk, maybe? Yeah, at least the second. At least the second. At that point, when you're playing the second Hulk within three years, and there winds up being a, a, a third Hulk within five years, like, catch a hint, bro. Yeah, they're not really... Like, I remember <laughs> when, when someone was like, yeah... You don't actually turn big and green. <laughs> well, like, I was also like, man, it really is the third one. Like, I com- I had completely yeah. forgotten about it. <laughs> The terrible one with uh, the absorbing man. Oh, what is his name? Eric Bana, and yeah, his dad is the absorbing man. Sort of like it's so stupid. Directed by Ang Lee, the visionary director, who included comic panels in in movie shots because he didn't get it. Like it's an adaptation. We never thanks. knew that the Hulk was a comic book character. Right, we really needed him to do that for us to be like, oh, it's based on a comic book? That's to weird. To be fair, there's a lot more. <laughs> if people actually did that, people would understand how much stuff actually comes from comic books. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I don't know that it would make anything no, better. No, it wouldn't. Like, it would just it would be probably... an identifier. Be like, oh, they used the comic book panel. Yeah. I get it now. Oh this, oh, this is based on a comic book. Oh, neat. Neat. More of an identifier. <laughs> yeah. So, Super Bowl weekend, uh, great Super Bowl, fantastic game. Uh, I got to tell you, I really... Okay, so first of all, the the Chiefs won. They played brilliant football. Their running back did something bold that I loved at the end of the game. They have the ball in the final two minutes. The eagles have one timeout left we're talking about like minute 51 to go kind of a kind of situation the chiefs uh i don't remember if it's a little swing pass or or a a run play but either way he gets to the left side and it's open for him and he he gets to the one yard line and he stops short kneels to end the play it's it's brilliant it's brilliant i love it i love it it is bold it is intelligent it is everything you would want to you would want to see if you were a well coached football team, or if you think your team is well coached. Um, immediately in the room that I was watching this, there was someone. I'm not going to out them. They they think they know what they're talking about. That immediately was like, I don't understand why they why wouldn't he just take the touchdown? And I was like, No, are you no? And the math was. They were tied. They were tied even. So taking the touchdown there, even if you take the extra point, you're giving the ball to Philly with a minute forty seconds, with a chance to either go down the field and score, or go down the field, score, and then go for the win with a two point conversion, and you don't have a say. Instead, Kansas City gets to just move the clock around for the next 
you know, 90-ish seconds or whatever, and they kick a field goal with, I think, um, I think when they go to kick off the ball back to Philadelphia, there's 10 or 12 seconds left on the clock. And they're up three. Yeah, they're just taking as much time as humanly possible off of the clock. And, and putting Philadelphia in an impossible situation. You can't... We talk about quarterback's arms, but you can't throw an 80-yard Hail Mary. Like, I mean, I, you could... Now that it's impossible to score 80-yard plays, it's, you, it is possible, but it's not an 80-yard Hail Mary. It's something else. And so this just gave... Statistically speaking, this gives the Chiefs the best chance to win the game. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, the field was incredibly slippery. And it was funny because in the build-up to the Super Bowl, there were about seven different articles across the internet talking about how the NFL spent $2, billion, $2 million, not $2 billion, $2 million, $2 million taking care of this uh, field. for, And they'd started it like 18 months before the Super Bowl so that it would be the perfect field for the Super and Bowl. And then it was slippery. <laughs> and then it was like t- from both teams, people were falling down, slipping nonstop. Very funny. Very, very funny. It sounds like, <laughs> I don't know why, I get this like idea that like the NFL comes into like this crazy art gallery and they spend years polishing the floor and then like as soon as one patron walks in, they just slide all the way to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're like, welcome to the show. And he opens yeah. the rope and he, he takes one step and he just doesn't stop until he hits the wall. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, uh, there was an old show, Home Improvement. With a, uh, he was a stand-up comedian, Tim Allen. Are you explaining Tim Allen to me like he isn't Woody? <laughs> he is Woody, but a lot of people don't know that he was also this stand-up comedian on a show, Home Improvement, and they did a lot of comedy, like they did a lot of physical comedy gags. Yeah. He was a, he had his own on the show. He had his own Home Improvement show, and he was called Tim the Toolman Taylor. So he always thought he could like fix things, but a lot of times when he would fix things. He would always try and add a little bit extra. So there was a lot of humor. It's a sitcom, but there's a lot of humor in how he like, he would break stuff all the time. So anyway, he, he turned the garage into a dance floor for like one of his son's birthdays. And then he over polished the floor to the point that his son fell and like blew out his knee. And his son was like, you're a monster. Like (laughs) terrible. That's the NFL spending a whole year and a half getting this, getting ready for the grass. And then literally neither team can play on it. Also something I want to discuss, though, is... So post-game, post Philadelphia Eagles hold their head up high, walk off the field. Jason Kelsey, brother of Travis Kelsey, on opposing teams, uh, they hug. They celebrate the fact that one of the brothers wins the Super Bowl. Their mom comes out and hugs everybody. They go have themselves a really great time. But the Philadelphia Eagles at their press conference, there was... Towards the end of the game, there was a questionable holding call on defense... The defender it was called on immediately at, at his press conference said that it was holding. He thought he could get away with it, but the referee saw it. Uh, when they were asked about the field, if that affected whether or not they won the game, they said, well, both teams had to play on it, so that's no one's fault. When they talked to Jalen Hurts about what it, about what losing feels like, he's like, no, it's not fun. I don't like it. Um, this team answered every question correctly. They showed themselves to be this weirdly emotionally intelligent team that was like, yeah, listen, we got here and we really thought we could win it. And just right at the end, the Chiefs do what the Chiefs do. And, you know, we played a great game. We, we They won by three points. Like, it is what it is. We'll get them next time. Um, and, like, they, they laid no blame anywhere. They laid no anger anywhere. It was a really impressive wrap-up from the Eagles. That really makes me, I bet solid money that they are using a sports therapist. What's a sports therapist? You're going to have to hit me with some knowledge here. Okay. So the Golden State Warriors, the unsung hero, he actually got thanked in the first championship speech by Steve Kerr. He's literally a therapist who specializes in working with athletes uh, managing egos. So the way that you could have a Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and have them play together for ten years, even though they've had fights and argue, arguments and they've gotten into it, you know, and 
they all think they're the guy, and you know what I'm saying? Like, it, athlete, athletes have that problem anyway. But the way you keep a team together and the way you don't let losing and the way you don't let winning, just as importantly, ruin chemistry, is they have this therapist. And he works with these guys. And he he literally sits down and talks to them about, hey, you know, let's talk about the game yesterday. How do you feel about it? What happened here? Blah, blah, blah. And I think, and, and teams don't like to talk about it because mental health is still kind of a thing, right? I suspect that if you look at the franchises that are consistently succeeding over and over again, it's either a brilliant coach like Bill Belichick or it's a sports therapist somewhere on the roster. Oh, I believe that. Now that you say that out loud, yeah, that sounds like a huge like beneficial aspect to a team. Yeah, uh, because typically when a team loses the Super Bowl, there's nothing wrong with this. This is, listen, you were one game away from being a champion, and now you're a loser. I, I, I totally understand the, 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 the lack of objectivity in that moment. And a lot of times what happens is players get there and they just lose it. They're crying, they're upset. It's a long season, and there's a weird sense of finality and also incompleteness to losing in that moment where, yeah, they're standing there and they don't really – they feel like a loser, even though they were the number two team in the in the league that year. And there's kind of a hard thing to to message through, especially if there's something you're not happy about. But these guys, they made a lot of strong calls. They made good decisions. And in in that press conference, there was not an ounce of blame or quit or regret coming from the Eagles' answers. And I was really, really impressed by that because typically, I mean, especially in a football team, it's a big team, it's a big locker room. There's going to be that guy who's like, yeah, man, like, they got lucky, you know. If they don't call this, that, and the other thing, then we definitely have the, you know, none of There was none of that. There was none of that. And I really suspect that there's a sports therapist lurking in the background of Philadelphia Eagles. That makes sense. I like to imagine that they brought one on, like, when they started winning, when they got undefeated. They brought one on, like, as soon as they lost the one, they're like, all right, we need something to keep us together <laughs> before we unravel. <laughs> I imagine they probably I imagine they probably brought one on. So they hired a new head coach this year. And I bet he brought him on. Probably. There's, there's something about... Because I think, and I don't, I don't, I don't know Nick Sirianno's past. I don't know where he came from. But if he was on this Philadelphia staff from before, then that means he watched them win a Super Bowl and then fall completely apart with just one taste of success. And then in the three short years after that, they couldn't do anything right, and they wind up firing the head coach. So if I'm him, I would say to myself, okay, this team. Can't the same team that did win a Super Bowl was so bad that they weren't even in the playoffs the next year? What's the difference? Well, if it's not a physical difference, then it's a mental one. Um, and so to me, I would suspect because there was a massive jump in how they played this year under him. Right. What about their roster? How different was that? Like player-wise. Not not too, too different. Not so different. This was the first year where they were like, Jalen Hurts is 100% the guy. But that was really the biggest change. And last year was the same. He was supposed to be the guy last year 100%, but he got injured. Nah. So coming into this year, they were like, what's it going to look like? You know, can Jalen Hurts take the next step and be the guy? Blah, blah, blah. He's on the last year of his rookie deal now coming into this new 2023 season. Where he's only going to make four million dollars for being last year's one of last year's best quarterbacks in the league. I know one of this year's best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's sort of that's why I said it the way I said it. Like until you gotta you gotta put some mileage in, right? Like you, I don't like to I don't like to do the thing where someone oh they were good last year so they're automatically good. I, I need to see like two or three good years in a row so I can be like okay this guy understands how to play good football. This is one of the better, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is strictly for our sports fan show. The Tennessee Titans are going are projected are coming into this offseason twenty six million dollars over. 
the salary cap. Let's go. Let's go. So when they just over just overshoot everything. When they fired their general manager and he traded away and previously he had traded away Ronald Brown, the wide receiver, who then goes to Philadelphia and was playing in the Super Bowl now. And by the way, he had one of the best Super Bowl catches I've seen in a while where he's just running between the two defenders and when he looks up and sees the ball in the air, all of a sudden he's just longer and faster than either one of them and just runs past them. Like it's 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 a really effortless catch which is what makes it impressive because it's like 60 yards downfield. You're like, "Dang, that was that really was something." <laughs> yeah, cuz he's he's between two defenders and then all of a sudden when he looks up and sees the ball, he just suddenly he's faster than both of them. Like <laughs> he, he just he just pulls away from them and catches it in the end zone and you're like, "Wasn't there where did what happened to everyone else on that play? Um, so they trade him away. They fire the general manager. And now they're looking at their situation. I, I don't know. This is, I think this is where the Titans take that weird left turn that happens to every head coach in the AFC South. That isn't a Texan coach. You know, so the Texas coaches usually get six or seven years. The last two years, notwithstanding the other guys, they all get basically four year runs and then they get run out of town. Uh, like, Can you take us to the Super Bowl? No, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, get yeah, and that's what they do. They they're like, we built this team to win, but if you look at the team, that's not really true. <laughs> they're like, they have so two the, good players, and they're like, take us to the Super Bowl, and you're like, that's not how this yeah, works. And he's like, oh, that no. They're uh, like, I can or, win ten the games, Colton. and they're like, win twelve. <laughs> nope. Yeah, win ten in a Super Bowl, and they're like, no, no, I can't. I, I, I can't do it. So the Titans are, yeah, the Titans are about to be in the exact same boat. Um, and it'll be Mike Vrabel's, I think, fifth, fourth or fifth year. And they're going to have to cut some serious money just to get under the cap. But the guys they're paying the money to, they can't afford to get rid of. Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback is projected to make like $30 million. Um, The worst part is but that they probably Malik can't Willis, cut these guys without taking huge nets losses anyways. <laughs> Well, no, that's the interesting part. Is these guys are towards the end oh, of their okay. deals, so, so they can, so can cut them. They can, but it doesn't really help them. So if they cut Ryan Tannehill, the, the new starter is Malik Willis. He's terrible. And he was bad. He was uh, – and, and the other two options, Taylor Lewan is their starting left tackle who's been amazing for them forever. He's making $14 million. And then Derrick Henry, the greatest running back the AFC South has ever seen – is making sixteen million, and by the way, he's thirty, and he's your only offense. So the three real options to cut aren't cuttable. Right, they cripple your team. <laughs> yeah, because they have they have to get rid of two out of the three really to get to go into the offseason with any money. So it's like, do you want to get rid of your quarterback and your starting left tackle? Or do you want to get rid of your running back and your starting left tackle? Do you want to get rid of your running back and your quarterback? Like, who do you want to cut here and then go play football? Um, so they're I I read it because uh, it was listing teams. It's like teams with uh, teams and their salary cap space. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm reading through the rankings. And then you get, like, around team 17, the number's basically zero. And then you start seeing the teams that are over. And I was like, wait, I – I don't remember seeing, and I start kind of scrolling through and flipping around. So I, I'm like, oh, wow. So I keep going down, and yeah, uh, the Titans, the Bucks, uh, the Saints, obviously. There's just a bunch the of only, teams. The that only are, team that can know. honestly get away with that is the Saints because whoever runs their accounting is a wizard. An actual yeah, financial Yeah, they've never wizard. had a problem. They somehow always end up like $50 million over the cap, and you're like, how are you going to fix this? And he goes, he cracks his knuckles, and he goes, watch this, and then they do it. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's incredible what the Saints do. I remember one year, so uh, Jimmy Graham was a tight end for them, and he was great, and he was this this nobody that nobody knew, and they found him. He played he played basketball in college. They drafted him like fifth round or something. So he's not making very much money for like his first two or three years, but he's like the top three tight ends in football each of those three years. Okay. So then they turn around and they give him like a four-year extension and all this money. 
Well, then, like a year and a half later, they have to trade him because the cap situation is what it is for them. And, like, that is the... Like, they are constantly... They'll find a guy, they'll develop a guy, they'll give him his money, and then, like, two or three years in, they'll be like, oh, this isn't working out for us, we can't afford it. I w- it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, and they might have already done it. I don't even remember now off the top of my head. If Michael Thomas is even still on the roster. Um, and he was the wide receiver who, for two years, him and Drew Brees had the best numbers, like... They were the best tandem in football, statistically. So then he was like, well, I'm not coming back until you guys fix my contract. So then they, when they finally fixed it, then like he's been invisible for two years. So, But again, with the way that salary is and caps are, like it, <laughs> getting rid of them will probably hurt them, but it's the Saints, and they just always manage to figure it out. Because somehow there's a wizard there. They, he is he's he's the best. That is who somebody should be hiring to run a front office. Yeah, like this is a guy I want like the the nerdiest thirty for thirty you can imagine. Saints <laughs> front office guy, like it's got like a super unstellar name. I don't know who it is, but this guy's a legend. <laughs> it's like Todd Machowski yeah. or something. And they're just like they call him the Munch. <laughs> they're like uh, they're like why? And they're like, do you see our salary caps? It's just all red. Yeah, and then like he's awesome. <laughs> and then it's like every day of thing. It's like and they're under by five. And like how did they do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they flip to Todd Machunski and he's handing five dollars in cash to someone. And he's like, Shh. he's written his own contract on the back <laughs> of a player's to save them three thousand dollars. <laughs> Um, so with Ant-Man debuting on Friday, this does kick off like nerd movie season. There's Creed three coming up. There's the flash movie coming up. There's guardians of the galaxy three coming up. All of those had previews in the super bowl. Guardians of the galaxy three looks amazing. And it looks like they are going to go through something. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, this Guardians is easily like my favorite, like, sub thing from Marvel. <laughs> uh, the most impressive thing is they always find a way to keep just, I think guardians probably does the best job of kind of like tugging at your heartstring more than any of the other oh, franchises. Absolutely. Even their Christmas special was a little like, Oh, I felt that a little bit. I oh. cried. I mean, I, I cry a lot, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to be mean about it, but calm down. Rugrat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, they just, there's a lot going on in these trailers though. It looks like just from the trailer, not knowing anything about the story, it it looks like Rocket Raccoon goes through some sort of death or survival. I don't know. He gets, he gets an otter. Uh, it looks like there's some, <laughs> there does seem to be something with an otter, which I don't, James Gunn just has a really great sense of timing. Like otters are, are in right now. And, like, there's going to be an otter in the movie. And you're like, how does he know that? Like, how does he otters do that? Otters are so cute. Well? He could have picked any time, honestly. They would have been like, otters are in. The only other time otters are, like, they're very internet hot right now. I find I see them in a lot of, like, memes and stuff. Um, the only other time I can think of where, where otters were, like, at the top of the level there was the South Park episodes where there was, like, an otter war or invasion or they were from the future or something. I don't remember. I mean, that's I don't basically remember the, story, the plot but... to, to Guardians Three. <laughs> they they kept going. <laughs> they they kept talking about how they were going to smash things open and eat them on their off of their bellies, which is what they do. <laughs> it is, but it was just so funny because they were like, "We're going to smash them open and eat them off of our cute little bellies." They have little like, hands. They just them. <laughs> they hold hands when they're asleep so they don't drift away. Like. <laughs> They're easily just the dumbest cute animal ever. They're not stupid. They're just like ridiculously cute. No, like, you, everything they do, even though it's vicious, is it. like yeah, they smash open fish and like eat them <laughs> using rocks. Uh, I saw this great little clip of a of a of a beaver and an otter, and they are best friends and they live together in some little wildlife sanctuary thing. That's hilarious and adorable. It really was adorable, and they did it because. Like, you know those animal things. It always starts with the sad story. Like, the beaver, uh, they were they were turning his forest into a neighborhood or something. And so this very young infant beaver comes tumbling out of the woods injured. And, and they have to nurse him back to health. By the time they get him healthy, he's, he's too familiar with humans to go back to the wild. 
So he now lives in the sanctuary. Then there was this otter that they find, and there's something wrong with him. His bones didn't properly form. So he's not able to live in the wild. So they just introduced him into the little beaver sanctuary that they've already built up for this beaver. And yeah, they're just best friends. So like the otter helps the beaver build a dam. Not really, because it doesn't build dams. But like anytime it sees the uh, the beaver dragging sticks places, like it runs over and starts helping and it doesn't know why. Yeah, one of them's like, I must build. And the instinct, the other one's like, this is funny. I'm going to do that too. <laughs> the other one's like, I'm a social creature and you're doing something. I'm in. Like, <laughs> I feel like otters are who you could trick into being a getaway driver and a bank robbery really. Oh, easy. yeah. They'd be like, wait, we're all wearing matching hats? I'm in. <laughs> oh, you, this is required for the social group? I'll do it. Yeah, no problem. I'm like, can you drive? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know if my feet can reach the pedals, but I'll try. I don't know what driving is, but I'm going to say yes to anything you ask me. You hand him a gun. Don't use it. <laughs> Why'd you give it to me then? <laughs> <laughs> No problem. <laughs> I don't have thumbs. Just puts it on his belly. <laughs> <laughs> and he just smacks it with his little paws. Oh. When you get back in the car with bags full of money, you're like, drive, drive, drive. And he's like, look what I can do with this gun, guys. Don't worry, I'm not using it. And you're like, oh, no, we got it. It is cute, it is, though. It is cute. I, I do appreciate this. <laughs> Look at his little belly. And then you get yeah, arrested. The cops roll up and they're like, is that an otter with a gun? <laughs> then someone's like, is that a black otter with a gun? And then they they yell stop resisting arrest, but they don't mean stop resisting arrest. Man, this got dark. Otter rights. Yeah, poor otter. Yeah. Otter lives matter, man. OLM, bro. <laughs> See, that's why we need a movie on it. This movie's important for representation purposes. <laughs> Thanks, James Gunn. James Gunn is ahead of James his time. James Gunn back at it again. Um, yeah. I I have seen this weird... I don't know what to call it. The Snyderverse fans... My favorite uh, people ...are adamantly anti-James Gunn, apparently. Yeah, because they took... They took, uh, they, they took his, his job that he doesn't have. Yeah, again... You're exactly right. He... It, <laughs> Zack Snyder was at home minding his own business. They hired a new executive at Warner Brothers. That Warner Brothers executive hires someone else to make other movies. And people were like, "What did they do to Zack?" And he was like, "No, I'm I'm fine, guys. I've been home. Like it doesn't. Like I feel like they matter. also forgot. They're like they're the biggest Zack Snyder stands, and somehow they forgot the fact that he stepped down from that position. <laughs> he was there. He left it on his own." <laughs> I don't know, man. They it's, but anyway, like a bunch of people, it's just all over the place. Like one, I saw one comment where it was like, "Did you really like the Flash trailer, or did you just get excited when you saw Michael Keaton in the Batman suit?" It's like, I don't know. yeah, Michael what? Keaton in the Batman suit is kind of a big deal. Yeah, which is, I guess, their point that like you don't really like the Flash; you just like Michael Keaton. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I've been seeing it everywhere, and it kind of makes me feel like there's, uh, I just don't get it. I don't get the disconnect there. Uh, I think it's just whiny DC fans being weirdly obsessed with these terrible movies that literally everyone else doesn't like. I don't understand. Well, and like, do you really think, okay, all right, so Joss Whedon's Justice League movie did whatever it did, X amount of money. Did a billion dollars. And they still lost, and they yeah, and at a billion dollars, it broke even. With that being said, do you really, really think that if he did, if they'd have released his version instead of the Joss Whedon version, that it would have done any? I think it would have done. I think it would have done worse difference? because it was four hours long. I do think it would have. I do think that would have hurt it if, like, because okay, if the first reviews are bad and people are like, plus it's really long. I do think that hurts the movie. Right, it 100% hurts the movie. The only reason that movie could even exist is because of the streaming, like, stagnation that we had. Well, and, and also, I mean, there was curiosity. Like, the build-up was okay. The Batman vs. Superman, it's not a... Gr- the director's cut's the better version of the movie, which is the Zack Snyder version, but the reason it's the better version is because the storytelling is 
is finally makes sense. Right. But because your movie is three and a half hours long, I sh- your movie shouldn't be three and a half hours long to make sense. Right. And I think that's the bigger problem. That's the problem I have is like, if you watch the theatrical cut of the Batman vs Superman, there's these scenes that are cut that actually tie Lex Luthor directly into the whole story. Because otherwise he's just this weird floating bad guy to the Bruce Superman conflict. However, when you watch the director's cut, there is about 25 minutes of, of, of story that directly puts Lex Luthor into all of it. From the guy with the wheelchair to the mercenaries in Africa or wherever they were. Uh, all of it. And that makes the movie better, but it does also make it harder to watch because it is an extra 30 minutes. Right. And if, like, again, we, we've talked about how Zack Snyder has no filter at all, like, he just writes everything. Well, it's, no one, no one can edit fine, it down. It's, it's the sense of, right? It's the sense of time, right? Like a four-hour movie, even if it's the a masterpiece, it's it's harder to watch. And all these people who are who are hounding on things and, and, and getting mad that oh we can't have four, like no, it's a commercial concept. Like it's designed to be a profitable enterprise. It's supposed to be. It's not an art house movie. It's superheroes. It's supposed to be popcorn and explosions. Like this is when Michael Bay makes a Ryan Reynolds movie. This is what that's supposed to be. That's what superheroes are. Like you can say something with them if you want in the meta, but you still have to make it a superhero movie. Right. And also just digestible. Four hours is a long time. That is a good point. Just digestible. I like how you even said it. That's, you right. Like you got to be able to get through right. it. Like even even long movies that I like Dr. Zhivago is a movie I watched. It's from like the 60s and super old and it's also like three and a half hours long. That movie has a 30 minute intermission like like a play. <laughs> they used to do that. They did used to do that in movies like you would you would take a break and then come back to the And movie. it made sense because it was and a time we- skip so like it it didn't like really interrupt like the immediate storytelling but like that movie was long, but it understood it was long, and it was in two halves, so you could watch the first and then second half without really losing anything. But you know what they would have done with that movie now in modern times? They would have just released it as two right. movies, and that would have been okay, too. Yeah, but they couldn't release the Justice League as two movies because that would be ridiculous. Yeah, you wouldn't go and see Justice League Part 1 and 2. Like, you couldn't to be continued. You couldn't do that. And also... I don't know, like, I'd have to rewatch it, and I don't want to. I don't remember the storyline all that clearly. I don't quite understand exactly everything that, I don't remember everything that happens in that movie. Like, it's not like one of the Avengers one where it's like, threat strikes, Avengers react. I don't remember why they needed the cube to bring Superman back, or why that it was even a possibility. I don't, like, I don't remember how they even got on that subplot. Like, there's a lot to it that's weird. Also, just on a weird side note, it always bothered me. When Kevin Costner has, is his dad, and he's and he's like, "No, let the Twister kill me," like Superman's not fast enough that he can't save a guy from a tornado without being seen. I don't understand. Yeah, like no one would notice that Clark was gone for three seconds. Right? Uh, maybe maybe he couldn't move fast enough with his dad without killing him. Maybe that was it. Wouldn't you rather risk that than just let a tornado tear him to bits? Uh, maybe I don't know. I like, I don't listen. You can think whatever you want, and 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 Kevin Costner can be as noble as he feels like. Death by tornado is not a pleasant way to go. Also, you could theoretically survive that. Like I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, guys. People survive. Oh uh, no, you definitely can. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of sad stories that are also in it. But when um, when that tornado tore through Alabama, it there were like it uh, there was a story of a couple that went to bed together. And it was sad they were a college couple. They were young and it was beautiful, and it's real sad. It goes through, and one of them wakes up. Like, they're asleep when it hits. They have no idea. Mm-hmm. One of them wakes up, and they're just in a field, and they're in immense pain, and they have no idea what's going on, and they can't find the other one. And, like, their legs are broke, and, like, they need help, and blah, blah, blah. People find them after an hour or two, and they get them help, and blah, blah, blah. And it's weeks before they ever even find the other one. Like, yeah, you could survive it, like, but you won't be happy about it. Yeah, and also, there's no reason that, like, oh, dang, I'm hurt. And then he's like, don't worry, Dad, I'll go with it with you. And then, like, they both get sucked up yeah. in a tornado, and then Superman protects his dad from getting hurt because he can fly and is invincible. 
Right. And then they just land somewhere and there's like, we're the luckiest people on the planet. They're like, oh, we actually got pretty lucky. This this car shielded us from a bunch of the debris and then we survived. That's crazy. Yeah, the bed of this truck scooped us up in the air or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those things that always bothered me where it was like, don't. It's fine, son. I love you. Yeah, like that's way more emotionally scarring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just save your dad. Like, ignore him. Yeah. Like, the whole time you're rescuing him, he's like, what are you doing? You're like, I can't hear you. I'm sorry, there's a tornado. Yeah, sorry, there's a tornado. Also, there's, like, a certain kind of, like, mega sadness afterwards, because it's like, well, now is his dad's dead. Like, they're supposed to be the couple, and, like, the reason that Superman is who he is, and one of them just, like, yeah. just one of them's dead. <laughs> it just doesn't, it, it just didn't make sense. Don't. Like, what? Extends the hand, just, like, nods slightly. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean? What does it even mean? Oh, man. So, yeah, a lot of stuff coming out this year. Uh, there's, like, four shows debuting on Disney+. Plus. Ted Lasso debuts next month. There's just so much coming up. I keep up. seeing clips for Ted Last Lasso. of Us is still running through things. Uh, Legends of Vox Machina just finished up. They also announced a season three oh next year. Oh my god, it's so good! There's, uh, Invincible is coming back this year. I think I guess fallish. I think they said at the end of the year. There's uh, okay. So there's uh, but there's a ton. I mean, there's just such a good year to be a nerd. Man. And uh, yeah, that means it's a good year to hang out with us all year. So like, subscribe to the page on Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. On Spotify or any other app listening apps, podcast players, systems, and things, you can click subscribe and you'll catch us. Uh, you can always uh, support us or something else. And um, you can always just enjoy these opportunities for hanging out with us on the internet. Um, most importantly, we want to thank everybody for listening and hanging out. We are in talks with a network of joining them. It will really not affect anything except it might expand our reach. We'll still be here on the radio. We'll still be here on your Spotify and on your Apple's iTunes and everywhere else. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us and doing the radio thing. But, uh, yeah, make sure to enjoy your weekend. I know it was Valentine's Day. I hope everybody survived. If you're dating someone, I hope it went well. If you're like me and went through Singles Awareness Day, painfully aware of Singles Awareness Day, uh, you made it, you know, so it's okay. Don't worry about it. Pat yourself on the back. You'll be just fine. Change a couple things about yourself that you don't like and then uh, give it another go next year. Who knows? It could be your year because this is the year of the geek and that makes it Nerd Thug Radio's year. So thanks for listening. Everyone have a great weekend because it does start on Thursday when you listen to Nerd Thug Radio and that's the rule of rounding up. On behalf of Little Brother Nico, I'm Corey DLG. You've been hanging out. You've been listening to like the 18th best show that you regularly subscribe to this is nerd thug radio